0: and welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and on this episode I'm chatting with the lovely Tree Adams, composer on The 100, NCAS New Orleans and the new series NCAS Hawaii. Tree started his musical journey as a touring musician in the 90s with his band The Hatters, before moving into writing music for television and film. Based in LA and with over 20 years in the business, he is a highly accomplished composer, having worked on shows such as Lethal Weapon, Perception, Franklin and Bash, and California Californication. This is my second time interviewing Tree, who we first spoke to in Geek Town Radio episode 110, mainly about the 100. In this latest interview, we turn our focus to the recently concluded did NCIS New Orleans and the brand new series NCIS Hawaii. In both NCIS shows Tree took the approach of using local musicians to bring a native flair to the score. For example on NCIS Hawaii he included things like ukuleles and Polynesian drums but found a way of using them in new ways to fit the procedurals investigative scenes and high octane sequences. Outside of composing Tree still plays live music with his new band Dagnastopus who released their self titled debut album earlier this year which you can find on Spotify and all the other usual places you find your music. If you'd like to hear more behind the scenes interviews don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Geek Town Radio this will also give you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast which brings you all the latest TV, film and gaming news you can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates here's the interview with composer. nice to be talking to you again Indeed. we've interviewed you before but for people that didn't hear the first interview just a little bit of background about you and how you got into the industry
1: i started out uh, i guess when i was younger i was classically trained i come from a musical family my grandmother was teaching me how to sing and play piano when i was like three or four years old played in orchestras in school and stuff like that, played the the flute and the clarinet. And then I heard Hendrix records and then I said, I should play the guitar. So I started learning the guitar and then I became like a band kid. I was in (laughs) bands and spent a decade or so touring in a rock band on Atlantic Records called The Hatters. It was uh, Bad Hatters. We were sort of a bluesy, funky band band. And then uh, I had the opportunity to score an independent film for a friend of mine who had been a fan of the band. And I saw somebody using a computer to write music for film and television. And they had samples on the computer and they could play a whole orchestra at their fingertips. And this was probably like 1996. And so I kind of dove into that. And that was the beginning of this whole film and TV thing, moved out to Los Angeles in 1998. Got a few breaks along the way, just kept kind of hammering away at it. And here we are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, you've done a number of uh, shows going up to this point. I mean, the hundred is one of the big things that I think we talked about last time. You've tackled a couple of huge procedurals since then, NCIS New Orleans, and you've just started on the uh, NCIS Hawaii, which is the new one. is it approaching something like that? Cause I mean, the NCAS brand is such a huge iconic thing and it's very much a sort of straight procedural compared to some of the other projects you've worked on. Is it different approaching that sort of procedural musically?
1: Well, I think what's made I've done a few procedurals other than this one too. I, I think the first one I did was in plain sight. Right. Yeah. That one was based in New Mexico and they wanted kind of like a dusty, guitar kind of thing. And I think what distinguishes both NCIS New Orleans and NCIS Hawaii from some of these other procedurals out there is that in each case, they've kind of wanted me to lean into the sound of the region mm. and also to use players from the region. Oh, cool. So part of why I got hired on the the New Orleans one was because I sort of was on a short list of some of the L.A. composers that they thought could bridge the gap between the production, which was based in New Orleans, and the production office, which was in Los Angeles. And, right. you know, I pitched them on the idea of going down there and recording with local musicians and developing a sound that felt like it was from the city and, and using local players. And we did just that. And that was really fun. And I learned a lot in the process and made a lot of good friends and had some great experiences recording in New Orleans and the same producers, uh, Chris Silber, Jen Nash, and along with the the new executive producer, Matt Bosick, they wanted me to kind of do the same thing with Hawaii. And so we're using local musicians in Hawaii and we're sort of imbuing the score with a lot of the regional flavor. And, you know, for me, it's been great. I'm learning about a lot of different instruments and techniques and making some new friends. <laughs> and I'm supposed to go to do the same thing and record in Hawaii with some of these players that I've been working remotely with. But, of course, COVID is kind of uh, yeah. causing some some issues with that. But hopefully we'll, we'll do that soon.
0: Yeah. Out of all the NCIS shows, I think you landed the two most interesting ones because, you know, I mean, there's NCIS LA, but I suppose there is a sort of LA sound, but it's nowhere near as distinctive, I don't think, as the sort of, sound from New Orleans and Hawaii, there is a very distinct thing, I think, about those particular shows. So what sort of things are you bringing in for the Hawaii show? For the Hawaii show, we're
1: using a lot of the local drum sounds, ipu heke and pahu, ukulele, but we use it a little bit differently than you usually hear it. Like it's not, you know, your sort of happy strumming luau on the beach vibes. It's a little bit more, it kind of reminds me of how you hear some of these Latin stringed instruments like the charanga or um, the Ron Rocco used in a lot of those like Gustavo Sant'Ella scores where it has like kind of like a, there's an eerie quality to it at times when it's picked or it can be strummed to give like tension and action and so it's not like sort of happy major chords and stuff like that it's a little bit more minor and and haunting mm-hmm. and then you know we'll use uh, lap steel and that often is subtle, like it'll be in pads or it'll be just portamento flavors because there's a good deal of the show is just featuring the island itself and you know, this right. is Oahu and all this natural beauty. And so some of those sort of I guess they call that B roll, some of those shots. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to kind of like Color those with some of the regional flavors, but then you know we're doing it—you know—all the car chases and shootouts and the banter between some of the characters and lighter moments. And with all of that, it's uh, trying to develop some themes and just a palette that makes you feel like you're in that region and it's appropriate for the story. You know?
0: Yeah. Say so when you're doing action sequences, an ukulele isn't the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It, it,
1: it, yeah. It, you got to use it in a weird way to make it work. I mean, but I think if you hear sometimes we do layer it in there for some of these chases and the first time i heard it done it was actually done by a local musician in hawaii because i had asked them to put ukulele in a different part of the queue mm. and then they added it in the back end when the chase happened and i was like oh that kind of works because you know <laughs> you just can't play major chords you gotta stick with the tension stuff and it works because it's kind of percussive you know
0: how did you go about finding the musicians for this with these people that were sort of on your radar when you started researching it or were they people you knew it was friends of friends you know know, this this
1: one led to that one I I know a guy who's here who does a lot of touring there is a slack key guitar player (laughs) Um, Then he connected me with somebody. I got a buddy who was actually a showrunner who lives in Oahu. He recommended a friend of his who kind of knows everyone in Oahu, who then connected me with a producer named Sean Pimental, who then kind of knows everybody in town. (laughs) It's that kind of thing. And, you know, I've done this before with... New Orleans. And people, particularly in both of these places and in what you could call like some of these sort of tourist destinations, places where there's tourist industry is kind of a big part of their economy, are very distrustful of people coming in and people appropriating the culture. Yeah. So it's really important to be sensitive to that dynamic and to say from the outset that you're there to honor the culture and that mm. you're there to, to try and put money in people's pockets there and to try and musicians to try and make it authentic sounding and to, you know, I mean, because look, I buy instruments from Hawaii so that I can kind of understand them yeah. and I can write with them. But just because I can buy the same drum as somebody who knows all of the different local patterns and has been playing it properly in the in the proper historical context doesn't mean I should just go and lay that down. I should be, you know, hiring that person to do it. Yeah, and it's that kind of thing. But it certainly helps to have the drum and to be able to know kind of how to hold it and where you ought to write for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I you that's quite useful. So in terms of structuring the music for the show, are you writing themes for particular characters or is it a more general as things come up in episodes and that sort of stuff? It's a
1: little bit of both. You know, I always start out kind of wanting it to be, here are the themes and, you know, and let's go with this. Because once you establish themes, the score kind of writes itself sometimes. Yeah. But it's a tricky thing when you have... Like in this case, we didn't just do the pilot to start. Right. We didn't like just work on like, like it was, if it was one movie, there were four different episodes being cut at the same time. Right. So you've got four different editors throwing different things in there. I began by writing, I would say like a hundred pieces of music in what we were calling kind of like conceptual stage cues. Right. And some of these I was hoping were going to be like the theme. And you know, and we've got the main title that we've written but it's very short. So it's it's kind of hard to make a meal out of that thematically, but we do it at times. So the editors cut with that a little bit and maybe they used some of those sounds as a jumping off point for things they were looking for. But then it just becomes a mix of different ideas coming in, whether it's temp ideas or somebody says, oh, you know, this kind of feels right for this flavor for these two or "Oh, something I may have written for our main character, Jane Tennant. Maybe they would have thrown that up against another character like, oh, that works well for him. And then, you know, all of a sudden that's Kai's theme. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't get to play God with it, but there is a really good sort of collaborative dialogue that is thoughtful, that has gone on. And part of my job is to like, listen, give my input and make sense of where things have landed and then kind of plot that course forward. So that's long way of saying that it's really a hodgepodge of themes I've written. And then, you know, kind of seeing like, Oh, maybe that's where it's going.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
1: You know, I, I get to follow and I get to lead.
0: You've been through, like you say, this once with New Orleans and then you're sort of back doing it again with Hawaii. As you're establishing certain themes for the show, does it get easier as you kind of go through the seasons because you've got cues and stuff that you can call back to?
1: Yeah, stuff starts to just feel like we get into a certain scene with a certain character that we've kind of been in before. And then I, it's in my subconscious. It just comes out because I'm just like that that's what's right for this character. (laughs) But sometimes too, uh, you know, when you're working on a show that goes on for a long period of time, you want everything to evolve. Like I remember on the NCIS, New Orleans, Scott Bakula, at one point, he was like, he was loving this theme that we had for him and he was sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of sick of that theme. Let's come up with something else. (laughs) I was like, all right, you want something else? Let's do it. (laughs) So sometimes you may have your favorite jacket, but after a while, you, you know, you want a new jacket.
0: Yeah. Well, I was actually going to ask about some of the actors because, I mean, Scott, he's actually quite musical as far as I could tell. So did he actually get more involved? Did you get him to record anything? Because I think he does play some instruments and I think he sings. So... I just wondered whether you ever actually worked directly with him on anything for New Orleans. Yeah, he sings and plays piano.
1: He's he's very musical. And in yeah. fact, he, he was the one who would give kind of the most music notes on the score even. And we did in season three or season four. I can't remember which one. The premiere. we I wrote a song that we performed together in his bar where he sang and we recorded him singing. It was called I'll Put Some Sauce on it. And we had George Porter from the meters on the bass and Cyril Neville playing percussion and singing backup, myself on guitar and Jellybean uh, Alexander playing drums. <laughs> An amazing band, you know, in this little bar.
0: <laughs> That's very cool. It was cool, yeah. Have you discovered any musical talent for the cast of Hawaii yet? <laughs>
1: Not yet, but I bet, you know, there's always musicians lurking. I'm sure somebody's going to pop up and sing soon. Yeah,
0: I'm sure, I'm sure. How has it been going through the pandemic for you? I mean, like you say, you haven't managed to get out in person for Hawaii. Were you still recording New Orleans stuff during the pandemic and I, I can't remember when exactly that finished and obviously you've been recording stuff for Hawaii as well. Just sort of remote recording and pulling all that together, has that been as an experience for you
1: well initially it was very difficult to try and pull off because we couldn't have anybody in i i have a small team that i work with my studio and everyone went home with their workstations and we figured out some new techniques for them to access a central computer here in studio and then as far as musicians go, some musicians have ways to record themselves, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult when you're trying to get horns or strings to sound like they're all in the same room. Yeah. When they're in different rooms recording on different microphones. It's very difficult when you have drums and bass and you're trying to get them to play together and they're not playing at the same time. So, you know, we came up with some techniques for things. And I was doing the last season of The 100 and CIS New Orleans. I was doing a little horror movie. And so I had to deal with a lot of string sessions and horn sessions and even an opera singer. And we were doing everything we could to try and get it to sound like everybody was in the same room. And that was really difficult. I remember Cyril Neville did some recording for us and he didn't have like a microphone set up. So he was recording with like an iPad in his headphones and then recording on his phone using his actual recording phone. And i think some of the the vocal i mean the voices like the adr the additional dialogue recording was done with the actors with a phone like people were like <laughs> in their closets like you know reading lines yeah. into a phone wow um and now we're back to recording in person and we just sort of make sure we take all the right precautions and everybody's vaccinated and we try and keep everybody not like in tight quarters for for long and in, in groups and yeah you know it's working out again.
0: Yeah, I know it's still out there and you've got to take precautions, but I'm glad people are finding ways to work around it in some ways, because, I mean, it's got to have been particularly tough on the people that are trying to make a living out of being in live bands and things. Sure, sure.
1: I have a band myself called Dagnastopus.
0: I saw that, yes. (laughs)
1: Yeah, And, you know, we have like a little record called Dagnastopus on this label, Six Degrees Records. You know, we've been doing some live gigs. We did our first indoor gig gig last week opening for dumpster funk at the <laughs> ballroom here. And that was a thrill to be back doing it indoors. It, it was a very large room and it felt like it was, you know, just on the edge of like what I was comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was mandatory vaccinations for everybody. We had to show proof of it, even, you know, being in the band and I mean, I, I think, you know, that'll be the way forward soon. And then we'll, uh, hopefully we'll get out of this thing.
0: Yeah, that would be good. I mean, having
1: live music, having live music again is really nice. Just getting to play with other musicians is so special.
0: Yeah. Certainly one thing I've been missing is, is being able to get out and go to gigs. And I mean, for me, comic cons and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they're starting to come back now. So Indeed. any other projects you're working on right now that you want to talk about? I mean, and you've probably been kept quite busy, I imagine, with to, yeah, so why? yeah, yeah. At the moment,
1: I'm, I've been focused on just this show. There is another thing looming that I can't talk about that probably will kick in at some point. But right now, it's just all focused on getting this one up and running. Once once you get these things kind of launched, yeah, then it gets a little easier to take on more than one thing. But I, I don't like to be oversaturated because I, I just... I feel like then I end up, I'm selling somebody else's work ultimately. Then I have to have like, you know, a bunch of ghostwriters doing it all. And I don't really, I don't tend to do that as much
0: yeah absolutely last couple of questions for you so the first question is what TV shows are you watching at the moment I am watching Startup oh yes I am
1: watching with my kids uh, it's based on the Golden Compass books uh, his Dark Materials
0: oh yes the BBC HBO show exactly uh, yeah yes yes it's supposed to have gone down very well I like the score that Lauren Balf's doing for it
1: it's yeah. really really cool and so I've been enjoying that awesome
0: yeah and if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show can be something from the past something that's out at the moment or some sort of future genre what would it be and it can't be what you've already worked on. uh it's fun um maybe star trek
1: maybe. <laughs> the, the og you know either right. that or maybe that crazy old show land of the lost <laughs>
0: <laughs> that'd be awesome
1: yeah I'm sure
0: they'll get around to remaking that at some point (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. in Star Trek at the moment you've got to wrestle away from Jeff Russo because he does an amazing job on that but I mean, Land of the Lost, that's one that's, that's due for a remake now, I'm sure.
1: the Slea Stacks? I
0: mean, come on. That's that's fun stuff right there. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. I shall let you get back to your day. Thank you for spending a little bit of time to chat with me. It's been lovely catching up again. Hopefully we can talk again in the future. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye.